Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today I'm going to talk with David about the summer of love and the attitudes that made it devastating. Contentment, gratitude, and drive make for an enjoyable life. Hey David, it's Grandpa. It's been three years since Jenny Durkin's Summer of Love inflamed Seattle and was echoed in all the major cities of the United States. Three years ago, emotions were high and reason was inflamed by emotion. Now, three years later, perhaps we can think more reasonably. Perhaps we can look at attitudes and their impact on life. To be fair, I should put Durkin's comments in context. When she was asked how long the situation in Seattle would continue, she said, quote, I don't know. We could have the summer of love, end quote. She was clearly downplaying or minimizing the situation in Seattle. Apparently, she had no clue to the dynamics that were in play. Violence and hostility can never lead to love. You know that. Human nature dictates that violence and hostility are met with resistance. People who use violence to get their way or push their agenda are held in suspicion and contempt. This is not the way to get to love. This is not the way to get it done. We know what it turned into, and that outcome is why she was tagged unescapably and derogatorily for the term, summer of love. Here are a few items that show how little love descended upon our nation that year. Private citizens, small business owners, large corporations, and government facilities suffered over $2 billion with a B, dollars in damage or loss. The damage was either looting or vandalism. The loss came from loss of revenue. I saw footage of the mall in Bellevue, Washington, where windows were broken out and people were carrying brand new items out the doors with impunity. During the riotous protest of 2020, the Summer of Love, at least 25 Americans were killed. In the occupied territory within Seattle city limits, known as CHOP, a 19-year-old man, African-American, was murdered. He was shot down, not by the police, not by the resistance to the protest, but by the protesters themselves. Most likely, it was an accidental shooting. But the uncontrolled violence of passion and hatred that ruled the streets at that time boiled over into taking the life of an innocent young man. Other incidents of angry violence occurred. Fires were set. Automobiles were trashed and torched. Outraged graffiti marred many buildings, especially municipal and federal buildings. Businesses were barricaded. Many small businesses were forced to close their doors permanently. 
What am I expected to think about this? Does it evoke my sympathy for those poor people who were so mistreated that they decided to steal? King Solomon spoke of a similar consideration in his day. He said, quote, Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry, but when he is found, he must repay sevenfold. He must give all the substance of his house. End quote. You see, people have been people from the beginning of time, and the way we respond to our lot in life tells a lot about who we are and not so much about who other people are or what they did. David, it's a sad thing, but it's a human reality that people inflamed by mob mentality act in ways that do a lot of damage, actions which they may later regret. It was true of the mob that murdered Jesus, and it was true of the mob that murdered in Seattle. Acting with inflamed passion ain't wise. Many times, it's non-refundable. Some people might think my comments show that I'm not woke. I still wonder, woke to what? I say to them, you are sleeping to the deeper realities of life. I wish that you would open your eyes and look further, beyond the immediate gratification of scratching the itch of seeming inequities. See the inevitable consequences of your approach that are too easy and convenient for you to ignore. Remember the phrase, inevitable consequences. Recall from last week's podcast a statement from Jesus where he said, quote, you will always have the poor, end quote. Doesn't that seem unfair? What did they do to deserve to be poor? My first response to that might be, yeah, it's too bad for them. I look at the ultra-rich and think they've got more money than I could ever use. What a vast difference, ultra-rich and poverty-stricken. Inequities abound in life. There will always be inequities. No amount of riotous protesting can change that. We might brutally beat our heads against an unchangeable reality, but all we'll gain is a headache. More than that, there are inequities in nature. Not everybody gets to live on oceanfront property. Most of us don't even have lakefront property. It might be nice just to have riverfront property. My uncle in Iowa had a pond out in his backyard. Does that count? It doesn't take a deep look at this world to realize that life isn't fair, as we might define fairness. It wasn't designed to be fair. The wind doesn't always blow favorably for a man in a sailboat. He sometimes must tack against the wind to make forward progress. It's a thing. It can be done. It has been done. It sure wouldn't do him much good to set his sail on fire and protest by saying, I demand the wind blow the way I want it to. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way either. The point I'm trying to make, David, is this. There are ways to accept the imbalance and inequities of life, effectively compensate for them, and still make progress. Being angry, living in perpetual anger and malcontent will accomplish what it did in Seattle in 2020. 
but it will not accomplish peace and harmony. Even if there are changes made in policies, of what value are they if the process divides the nation? Complaining and demonstrating about past events cripples future aspirations. You see, instead of taking positive steps to position myself to be a leader of change, I keep myself tied to the past. It's not possible to go forward when you're anchored to the past. My mother's father, my grandfather, was an itinerant farmer from Iowa. The Great Depression hit when Mom was only seven years old. It wasn't his fault, but it affected him. How unfair was that? He was so poor, he had to parcel his children out to aunts and uncles. My mother was raised by her Aunt Flo, not in the family home. Grandpa could have used that as an excuse to fail and blame his failure on circumstances. He worked as a dairy hand wherever he could find a place to milk cows, muck stalls, and pitch hay. He was a hard-working man. His daughter, my mother, studied hard in school. She was able to attend a couple years at Pepperdine College before dropping out to start her family life. Years later, she was able to finish her degree. When I say years later, I mean she and I went to the University of Washington together. That's how many years later before she received her degree. She got a good job and was able to work till she retired. My mom and dad were able to finance your grandmother and me to build a house in Moscow, Idaho, where your dad was born. Ever since, we have not rented, we have owned. You see here the progress from itinerant farmer to established homeowner. It took a few generations, but we did it without blaming, shaming, or complaining. It would have been really easy for my family to blame hard times and the imbalance of the economy that made Grandpa an itinerant dairy hand. We could have pointed to that and said that's why we're poor white trash. That's why we're poverty-stricken. But my grandfather did not play the poor card, and my mother worked hard to get ahead, and your grandmother and I have been diligent and frugal to have what we have now. What I'm really trying to say to you, David, is this. The circumstances are not to blame for your condition in life. They are merely part of the unequalness of life. Your willingness to work hard for any goal that you have set and your willingness to remain and maintain a positive, grateful attitude, even when it seems unfair, and your willingness to follow Jesus every step of the way will guarantee you a superior outcome. You will be at peace, and you will have a great life. You may never get rich. In fact, I hope you don't. I don't want to get rich. I just want to be at peace with my circumstances. I don't want to break anybody's windows. I don't want to torch anybody's car. I don't want to be that vandal who breaks and loots because I had a rough life. I don't want to get so angry that I kill somebody. I want to have peace and love and joy in my life. I want to be a blessing to the people around me. I'm leaving you with two important lessons. The first is, unhook from the past. If you want to go forward into your future free of angst, anger, or self-doubt, you must 
let the past be the past and leave it behind. Sure, learn lessons from it, but do not let it define you, your disposition or your outlook. Turn your eyes to the future and strive for your goals. Secondly, always push forward with energy and clarity toward your goals. What do you want your life to look like 10 years from now? Set that as your object to focus and go for it. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you've got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about the power of persistence. Sticking with an effort spells success. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at Comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, Monday, have have a a joy-filled week.